Welcome to episode 83 of the Waveback Music Podcast. My name is Chris. And I'm Matt. And we're here to listen to the most interesting video game music there is. What you were just listening to comes from Pitfall 2, The Lost Caverns for the Atari 2600. It's just one of the games we'll be listening to music from tonight. And they all have one thing in common. They all have one or two great songs. And that's pretty much it. (laughs) Put on your shades, Spartacus, because it's time for our second one-hit wonder special. Yes, that was a That Thing You Do reference. (laughs) Oh, man. Side note, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. I don't have anything to add to that. I mean, it's a movie about where the drummer gets the girl. Uh, It's got Tom Hanks. And uh, it's... uh, uh, I don't know. The the music was written by... gonna say that thing you do i believe was written by adam schlesinger of fountains of wayne which is one of my all-time favorite bands so uh it's like this movie was made for you it really was and i adore that movie it's so good there you go man uh there yep adam schlesinger i think that's how you pronounce it he's a great songwriter anyway video games (laughs) (laughs) about that (laughs) baba do bop bop how you doing matt I'm great now. <laughs> Happy I'm, to hear it. Yeah, right. So uh, let's see. Let's. Uh, it's been a long time since we've done one of these. In fact, the first One Hit Wonders episode was episode 24, way back in May of 2016. Uh, oh, it's It's been a while. I've meaning to come back to this concept, and well, here we are. I've chosen 10 songs from 10 different games that have really only have one or two great songs in them. These are the tunes that I absolutely love for one reason or another, but would likely never see an entire episode dedicated to them because there either isn't enough music to fill an episode or the rest of the soundtrack is so unremarkable that it wouldn't justify us spending the time on it. This is where Matt would normally hit us with some history, but since we're covering a litany of different games, we'll go ahead and uh, uh, go over some brief history for each title as it comes up. So... Unless there's any reason not to. Can't think of one. Cool, let's begin. Let's get to work. Let's start with uh, a game that I've been looking forward to sharing in some way, shape, or form for a while. Uh, The first track we're going to be listening to is Area 1-1 from Montezuma's Return for the Game Boy Color, released in 1998, composed by Anthony Patton, who also composed music for Oni for PS2, Grand Theft Auto 1 and 2 for the Game Boy Color, and the Space Station Silicon Valley port for the Game Boy Color. I have wanted to do this one for a while because uh, this is one of those Game Boy Color games that I don't know anybody else who's played. Um, Features a pretty decent amount of very catchy music, um, but not the game's ultimately very short, and while I do dig the rest of the game's music, uh, it it doesn't really, it kind of pales in comparison to this one track that had been stuck in my mind for ages and ages, uh, and I had never found a ripped version of this game's soundtrack. Um, typically, when you look up Montezuma's Revert, Return, you're going to get the PC version, which is a 3D action platformer, whereas Montezuma's Return for Game Boy Color is more in line with something like Spelunker. Uh, and a really great, very challenging game. Uh, So what I wound up doing was, uh, since I don't have the technology uh, or technical know-how to rip music from a game myself, I used the audio output on my Raspberry Pi, (laughs) uploaded the game, 
uh, plugged that uh, audio out into the microphone in on my computer and just recorded the music straight out of the game. I mean, that's as a as an audio recording engineer, that sounds pretty solid to me. Uh, yeah, sound quality is super spot on, and I've been finally able to listen to this song whenever the heck I want. So uh, uh, let's go ahead and, and, and give it a listen. I think you'll learn very quickly why this song had been stuck in my head for such a long time. It's very catchy. So I uh, <laughs> uh, hope you all enjoy it. Here is Area 1-1 from Montezuma's Return for the Game Boy Color. Enjoy. Area 1-1 from Montezuma's Return for Game Boy Color. Congratulations. You're now one of the few people on Earth who's heard this song. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely feel special. You are. Thank you. We all are. Uh, God, God, I love this. I love this tune. It's... um, I really like that just how kind of ridiculous the bass line is. (laughs) Yes. What was that? I, I don't even know. It's it's far more complex than it needs to be, but it yeah. works. <laughs> you know, like, if they had taken one step out of line with that, it would have just been sour note after sour note. But I, I really feel like it works. And much like Spelunker, it's just got this ridiculous hook that sticks with you. It's just like, yeah, that that music just got stuck in my head. And um I'll never forget what it was like the first time I played this game. It was um, one of the, my favorite things to do back when I worked at Funko Land was on like summer days when there wasn't anything going on. I just go into the, the, the Game Boy case, grab a game I had never played before and be like, all right, let's see what this one's all about. And when I plugged this one in, um, I was very amused by it pretty much straight away. Like I liked the music right off the bat. It, it was, and it reminded me immediately of Spelunker. Um, but what tickled me and, and immediately sold me on the game was... 
I died pretty quick because much <laughs> like Spelunker, you're remarkably fragile in this game. <laughs> and uh, what happened was after you die, uh, it, it pans back to like this, like, uh, uh, like fireman's pole that you slide down to go back into the cave to explore. And there's a lineup of yous up top. Like how many lives you have left is just like three more dudes standing there. So you die, and like one of the three dudes left jumps on the fly, the pole and spins down, and then you go, and then you die again. And there's only two dudes left, so it's like there's literally these other clones of you just waiting to dive in here and 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 go nuts, uh, like like getting called up to active duty, exactly. And they're all like just the same dude, same hat, same you know jacket, same whole 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 works. It's a uh, it was just goofy enough to really make me laugh. Um, and the game's super fun. I, I highly recommend it. What, what did you think of this? Um, a very chipper tune, actually. Um, the name Montezuma Returns, uh, you know, being very closely associated with Montezuma's Revenge. Mm-hmm. This is not necessarily something I would, um, you know, pair together. Uh, you know, with me, a lot of these things are very uh, sight unseen. So, um, uh, as far as the track is concerned, like. That's kind of what I think of for some um, stereotypical, uh, <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> stereotypical uh, video game music. Um, but I dug it a lot. We were we were kind of goofing on the baseline, but that's the thing that really stuck out most to me was uh, hearing that bit of bass, uh, you know, passage and just being like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> Wouldn't this be cool to hear like on a real bass? I would love to see someone play it. To be truthful. Um, I would do like it's it's such a rad tune like it's very ripe for expansion. Uh, you know what? If someone if someone can transcribe that, I will attempt to play it. You know what? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I will get my bass out of my garage and and attempt to play and it. Dust it off. <laughs> dust it right the heck off. <laughs> but yeah, a lot, that's a that was a real fun track. Honestly, I say I've never. I, I, it's funny that you brought up Montezuma's Revenge. I. This was, I never even knew about that game until mm-hmm. I had uh, found this one and I looked it up and was like, oh, it's a sequel. That's kind of neat. I, and I don't even know about Montezuma's Revenge. So you and I both, cool. yeah. It was like a ColecoVision game or something. Apparently I own it. So, uh, <laughs> jeez. Anyway, all right. So uh, let's move on to track number two. And this one here is, to my mind, without a doubt, the coolest song we will listen to tonight. Um, also from quite possibly the coolest game we will play, we will be uh, listening to tonight. Um, this hails to us from the Game Boy Color iteration of Space Invaders from 1999. Um, it, they did a bunch of uh, kind of like re, not a bunch. There was a, a kind of a, a resurgence of a, a in 1999 of Space Invaders, uh, where they they published like a version for PS2 and PC and Nintendo 64 that was really good, but there was also a Game Boy Color version uh, that was way better. And that's not to take anything away from the N64 and PlayStation version. That's a really, really cool reimagining of Space Invaders. But the Game Boy Color version was even better. Um, it had a basically just introduced like a lot of different kinds of aliens, uh, different weapons. It's the same exact premise, but they just keep coming down in different patterns, different formations, uh, and give you all these different weapons to kind of mess with the mess with the aliens and blow them up in different ways. And it's ridiculously cool. So the track we're going to be listening to is called Mercury. Uh, it's from the the first planet. Um, 
as cool as this game is, and the rest of the music is decent, it none of it even comes close to being as cool as Mercury. And like, it's a decent soundtrack overall. But man, this this track is freaking awesome. Um, uh, like I said, the game was released in 1999, and this music was composed by Steve Rocket. Uh, who also did a he did a lot of really cool Game Boy work, including the amazing Street Fighter Alpha uh, port for Game Boy Color. Uh, he also did music for the Incredible Hulk for Super NES and Genesis, uh, and Speed Kings for Xbox, PS2, and GameCube. Something to look out for in this one is uh, that this kind of works off of uh, kind of works around as a playoff of the original Space Invaders sound. You know, like the don't 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 like that that marching sound from the original yeah. arcade space invaders it basically works off of that and turns it into a wicked cool song so uh uh yeah i hope i didn't over i hope i didn't overhype it i don't <laughs> think i did because this music rules uh this is mercury from space invaders for game boy color enjoy Space Invaders for Game Boy Color. What'd you think? I thought that was absolutely awesome. I, <laughs> right? I don't think you oversold it at all. I think it was the right amount of sell. That song is so good. <laughs> it's, it's out of control. I think it's perfect for a game like uh, Space Invaders. I could even see it in something like Arkanoid, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's I, I freaking love the bass line. Yeah. And, and, and the ba- like really the whole rhythm section is ridiculous. Like that drum beat is just... It's super sick, and it's. I feel like it's not something you got a lot of in Game Boy Color, where it just mm-hmm. comes in with that like, like that really really cool slick uh, kind of snare drum in there, and it's you know it's it's freaking noise channel on a Game Boy Color, but it's yeah, it, it works out. But that that bass line is is really really sick, and there's nothing for the rest of this game that even really compares to this and uh, same as in the ps2 and uh, sorry the playstation 1 and n64 versions like the music's cool the game is really good like it's really really fun um <clears throat> but this music is just so driving and just the right level of cool uh, it's uh, such a ridiculous song i love it yeah um baseline's very on point i dug it a lot as a great uh timbre to the to the I guess to the characteristic, which is the same word. Um, it just, it sounds great. Like sometimes you get uh, some samples of instruments and they're just like, Bleh, or they sound very 
sampled. Mm-hmm. Uh, this had like a great uh, bass, you know, timbre. Like it was- uh, it's it's that great Game Boy sound chip, you know. Which it's is so unique. Which is weird too, because ultimately you're going to be listening on tiny speakers, whether it's the built-ins or the three-fifth jack or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to be listening on tiny speakers, so to kind of be able to reproduce that is, you know, something of an anomaly. But it still holds up. It does, and this is also, I'm, I, to my knowledge, this is not quite as obscure as Montezuma's Return, but this is another one of those games that I feel like just not a lot of folks played because mm-hmm. not a lot of people talk about this game very much, um, which I think is a, is a real tragedy, even more so than Montezuma's Return. Like, because Space Invaders, there's been a lot of really great reinventions of Space Invaders over the years, uh, and this was so heavily overshadowed by its uh, console brethren, uh, which is an awful shame because this is definitely the better game with more interesting uh, weapon choices and and like dodge mechanics and stuff. It's it's just a really awesome game. Cannot recommend this enough. It's super cheap if you can find it. Uh, Space Invaders Game Boy Color. Buy it immediately, if not sooner. There you have it. There you have it. All right, moving this train along uh, for a, a very hard left turn to something that is <laughs> not at all cool, but super catchy. Uh, this is a game that I didn't play until it came out on the Switch, but it actually came out on mobile devices earlier. Uh, we are going to be listening to the Totes the Goat theme from Totes the Goat. For a Nintendo Switch released in 2018 and iOS released in 2015, it is composed by Roth Selfie, I think is how you pronounce the last name, uh, who also, I believe, did work on Retro City Rampage and the excellent uh, Metroidvania title Zeo Drifter. Um, so Totes the Goat is basically Qbert. Um, it's similar to the way this Space Invaders game is a, you know, a modern reimagining of Space Invaders, Totes the Goat is very much a modern reimagining of Qbert, very similar to the Qbert remake that was released around the same time as the Space Invaders in uh, in around 1999 2000. Um, but uh, Totes the Goat has this weird uh, aesthetic to it, where everything, like all the characters, are cubes, including Totes the Goat, uh, who is a cubic goat, and uh, it's it's just Qbert. You just go around dodging enemies and trying to you know make the blocks different colors before you move on to the next stage uh it is shamelessly cubert and in the best way possible it is super fun uh it's super cheap it's a wonderful game and the entire time you play the game much like bubble bobble it just plays this tune over and over again and it was stuck in my head for months (laughs) and now it will be stuck in yours (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is the service we provide for you. This is indeed. I don't worry. I got a I got a nice chaser for this one after it. Um a uh, nice palate cleanser after this one. But uh this is the delightfully catchy earworm, the Totes the Goat theme from Totes the Goat. Enjoy. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> 
Thank there you, you go. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was something else, man. Like, I, I'm reluctant to call it insipid because I really do enjoy the tune, but man, it just, it just lodged itself in my brain as well as this entire game. Like, I was obsessed with this game for a while when it came out uh, on Switch. Um, because I love, um, I'm a big fan of uh, Atui's games like uh, Mutant Muds, Zeo Drifter, uh, this. I'm just a huge fan. And um, when they ported this to Switch, I had never heard of it before. And I was just like, I love Qbert. This is modern Qbert. This is brilliant. I love it. Uh, and then I downloaded the phone version and uh, I get it, but I like it better with like D pad controls. It's, this game is just great, man. It's just great. And you can switch characters that have, they don't do anything different, but make different sound effects. And like the characters, like <laughs> a hat, <laughs> just bouncing around as a hat. I don't know why you're just a hat. It's, it's freaking great, man. I love there's, this game. There's something fun about that and something obnoxious about that too. <laughs> I, I like when games give you options to play as other characters, but when they don't have any different abilities or whatever, I always kind of be like, but when you do something silly like a hat, like that's <laughs> that's kind of funny. Um, you could be like a cleric, like for no, you could be a goat, you could be a, a dog, a duck, a cat, like just the characters from other you know Atui games like Mutant Muds, like just just cause why not? Just yeah, why not? That's the answer. Um, that was a really fun track. I could totally see that kind of uh, you know burrowing its way into your brain and and just sticking there. Um, yeah, very earworm. There's um there's this thing that happens with the uh, old chiptune games and stuff when they do like I don't I don't know I don't know what I would consider it maybe it's like a hi hat or something they do this thing and, and I don't know if I'm gonna be able to replicate it but it's like like I don't know if you heard that <laughs> it's like really it, okay it's like right at the very beginning of the track um and but there's something about it it's almost like um. Man, I don't even know how to explain it uh, without you hearing it specifically. But there's a they do this thing, and there's something about it that I absolutely love. Like I feel like it's probably like the cheapest and easiest thing you could have done with the old um, the old hardware mm -hmm. to make these tracks and stuff. Uh, when you go back and you edit this episode, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. It, it, there's just something about that that makes me happy, and I don't know why. <laughs> but but overall, the whole track. Uh, great piece of music is like really light and fun and it uh in looking at some of the visuals for the game because i i'd never heard of this game before like ever it's like <laughs> i i peaked it real quick and uh seeing pictures of the game and then hearing the music i said oh yeah that makes total sense that makes total sense uh, yeah it's talk about a matching aesthetic like yeah. As soon as you see a picture of it, it's like, yeah, of course, of course, that's what this game sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what else to say about that one. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, uh, we're overthinking at that point. Yeah. Super catchy tune. Uh, really love it. And buy Totes the Goat. It's super cheap. Yeah. Speaking of things you should buy on your Nintendo Switch, the next track comes to us from Picross. I love Picross games. I love them all day long. I've loved them since Mario's Picross on Game Boy, uh, and I will always play Picross for as long as they keep making them. And thankfully, they just keep cranking them out. Unfortunately, um, 
Jupiter has not posted any sort of credits for the Picross S games on Nintendo Switch, so I have no idea who wrote this song. Um, this comes from the first Picross S for Switch, which came out in 2018. The track is called BGM3, and I will be very sad when I finally beat the first Picross S and move on to 2 and 3, because 2 and 3 do not feature this song. And this song is kind of the ultimate put-me-at-peace music, uh, honestly, for the last year since it came out. Um, I haven't been able to stop very joyously listening to this song uh, <laughs> as I play this. In, I, get, like, I don't even know if joyously is the right word. It is just one of the most calming pieces of music. Um, it kind of it, it uh, uh, heavily features a bit of harpsichord. And I think that's what is really the the way those notes hit each other um, towards the beginning of the the loop, uh, and which you'll hear is just just insanely peaceful, and it's the perfect music for a game like Picross, um, especially for playing right before bed. So uh, this is another pretty sharp turn from Toads the Goat, but uh, a very welcome one. This is BGM three from Picross S by Who the Hell Knows. Enjoy. <laughs>
DM3. Um, far and away my favorite track in the game. Uh, all of the music is perfectly pleasant in the, the, the new Picross-ass games. Um, but that one really stuck out to me, um, which is why I, I could never see myself doing, you know, dedicating a whole episode to the Picross-ass games, because a lot of it's pretty forgettable. But that track just sticks with me. Um, and it's partially probably because I love Picross so much, but uh, it, there's that kind of, um, I guess, I don't know what kind of synthesizer it is. Like, like I mentioned the harpsichord, you know, where it's, it's kind of doing those, uh, the, the little four notes that go back and forth, uh, harmonizing with itself. But then that kind of like slow, steady, you know, solid, like just kind of comes in and harmonizes with it on a very flat level, just kind of, it's just like this wave of calmness. Uh, I, I I adore this song. It's a it's a very lo-fi type of music that's indicative of like a lot of puzzle games. Mm-hmm. Um, it immediately uh, reminded me of that game I was uh, I've been obsessing over way back when called Droplets. Droplets, right? Yeah. yeah. I we did a I dropped in a, a track from that game in one of our uh, variety episodes. But it's like I know Picross, I'm familiar with him, but I couldn't help but seeing Droplets because it's like the music is with the harpsichord and stuff gives like a level of classical music to it. But there's definitely electronic elements that really take me back to Droplets. That was a really in particular. Yes, yeah. Um, it was a, a the piece we just listened to was fantastic. I thought that was great, and I can actually uh, envision listening to that, you know, for a couple hours straight, and really just like, you know, like you said, listening to it before bed or what have you, like really just zoning out and like honing in on whatever you're doing, whether it's playing pick cross or if you're just listening to the track, you know, like I, I when I read books, I, I put music on and it just becomes background noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could totally see that happening to me there. No, I'm glad to hear it because I've you've explained my situation uh, quite thoroughly. I, I mentioned <laughs> this came out in 2018. This was 2017. I my mistake. Um, 2018 was Picross S2, and then earlier this year was S3. So quick correction on there. But yes, I have spent you know uh, more than an hour listening to this tune over and over again because you know some of the Picross puzzles get pretty hard. And while I've been playing them for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. And years um, since the original black and white Game Boy, I'm not, I'm not so good at them that I can do it competitively. Like when the, the first one came out on DS, I played it online and just got completely trounced by people able to just clear these puzzles super fast. And I've never really been that guy. I, I not super fast at this stuff. So, um, I've spent long times, especially on the ones where you don't get hints, uh, to start with. Uh, just kind of poking away and this is the music that's playing and I'm always happy to hear it. It always keeps me calm uh, and it just kind of soothes me a lot before I go to sleep. This is a um, a wonderful track and I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, man, absolutely. Moving on, uh, we're going to head uh, back to Atui, uh, back when they were still called Renegade Kid. Uh, this was uh, their breakout hit for the 3DS Mutant Muds. Uh, what a great game this is, uh, very much inspired by, uh, it's like a cross between Virtual Boy Wario Land and Gargoyle's Quest, uh, but with a super cute aesthetic, uh, retro style aesthetic. Uh, this game's, this game's awesome. Uh, it's been ported to like every platform under the sun. 
Uh, and this was uh, one of the tracks that just barely didn't make the cut when we did our um, New Year's special. We are talking about uh, level one themes. Um, this is uh, World 1-1 from Mutant Muds for the Nintendo 3DS, released in 2012. Uh, the song was composed by Troop Gamage, I think is how you spend, uh, spell that, that person's name. Uh, I haven't didn't find any other video game um, tracks to his name, but I did find that he was part of an indie synth rock band called Speak. So uh, I guess if you dig this, check out Speak. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, sure. have, I have not done that. I have not done so yet, but I probably will. Um, there are a couple of good tracks in Mutant Muds. I don't want to. It's strange having this in a one hit wonders um, because it does have some good music in it, like more than just this one, but not many more than just this one. For the most part, this uh, this one and the second track uh, really stuck with me, and I found most of the rest of the soundtrack to be ultimately forgettable. Well, well, pleasant enough, but ultimately forgettable. So. Uh, it made the cut for One Hit Wonders for me, and uh, I had to pick this track because this was the one that uh, that really helped solidify my love for this game um, pretty quickly. Uh, it's it's a it's a memorable tune, um, and it's uh, it's super cool. So let's give it a listen. Here is World One One from Mutant Muds. Enjoy. <laughs> Thank you. 
World 1-1 for Mutant Muds for the Nintendo 3DS and every other platform since. <laughs> I really like the bass in that song. I come back to talking about bass an awful lot, but the, the, the bass in that song in particular seems to really be emulating, like properly emulating uh, like, like Game Boy tunes. And I've mentioned a lot of times, even dating all the way back to our first episode on, on Balloon Kid, how one of my favorite things done in older uh, 8-bit games, particularly Game Boy and NES, is when they really play uh, the bass like an, an octave higher than it should be. And it just kind of makes this weird resonance that just uh, it fills me with this very calm, nostalgic wave. Um, this fits this game so perfectly because it's not a fast-paced game at all. It's um, it's very much you know twitch reflexes, and it's extremely difficult. Like, absolutely brutally difficult game. Like, I finished this game, and... As soon as I finished this game, I said to myself, I love this game, and I will never play it again. <laughs> I love games like that. Oh my god, I really do. And I and I, I, I lied. Uh, when it came out on Switch, uh, there was um, like a Mutant Muds collection with this, and it's, been, uh, it's various spinoffs for like, it went on sale for just unfathomably cheap, and I said, alright, I have to get this. Uh, so then I, I played the first couple levels. It's like, oh man, I really loved this game. I can't do this to myself again. <laughs> <laughs> I have a life and a family and things that I enjoy doing. I was pulling my hair out by the end of this game because mm. I had to collect all the little little coin diamondy thingies that are floating around in this game. I had to collect all uh. of them. And it just... It was infuriating because so much of the later late part of this game re- involves such precision just unbelievable precision but i was playing it on a 3ds i'm sure it would be a little bit easier with an you know an actual controller in my hands playing it on a tv and beautiful hd graphics but uh enough enough from me what did you think of this tune i liked it a lot actually um i'm not familiar with this ip at all i i don't even know what it looks like um i don't know anything about this game uh but i do know that i really like this track it was very um like cool the uh there's that melody do 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 like i thought that was just actually really well written and that's the part that really um sung to me no pun intended <laughs> uh baseline as always uh i i agree we, we you and i both tend to go back to the baselines a lot um but i think that's because there's in the the tracks that we play and we pick and stuff I think they're just so well done. Um, so that's all I'm going to say about that. But uh, this was a, a really well-crafted piece of music that uh, is actually still stuck in my head while I talk about it. I'm still hearing it <laughs> in my head. That's awesome. So, yeah, uh, good stuff. I I couldn't possibly agree more. I I really <laughs> do like this. Uh, really do like this track, which is why it's here. <laughs> there you go. It's no all mistake. Right. Let's 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 keep it going um, to a next track, which is th- this next track is a technical marvel. It's what we opened the episode with, um, but it, as you know, when we record this, uh, we don't listen to the song the the opener together. We listen to it later as it comes along in the episode, and this comes from Pitfall Two: The Lost Caverns for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, which was released in nineteen eighty four. The song, as far as I can tell, because they didn't really break down any sort of like individuals or anything, was composed, as far as I can tell, by David Crane, 
who not only programmed this game, but was the co-founder of Activision, designer for A Boy and His Blob, the original Pitfall, and a whole ton more. David Crane is an industry legend. Um, uh, and I believe he wrote the music, too. And it's a super catchy tune, but on top of that, it is coming out of an Atari 2600. Which is no small feat. Uh, most games for Atari did not feature music, and if they did, they were at, at best like some jingles. But this game had full-on background music, and it was dynamic. Um, there, the song would like there's a slowed down, sad version when you die. Uh, there's a sped up version when you get something cool. But uh, we're sticking with just the regular baseline version uh, for this episode. Um, it is. On top of it, just you know, being cool that it came out on the Atari, it's it's a super catchy tune and wild to hear something that is it's coming out of an Atari, man. It's got such a unique sound to it. Um, uh, I'm really excited to to share this with everyone because you know I know most people have played the original Pitfall at some point in their lives, or at least people of of my particular generation. But uh, uh, Pitfall Two. You know, I didn't even find out about this until way later in life. Um, it just wasn't nearly as popular, and I believe you know by 1984, uh, you know the 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 video game crash here in America was kind of in full swing. So, um, yeah, man, let's listen to this song. It's super freaking cool, man. Here is a, I, I guess it's just the theme from Pitfall Two for Atari 2600, which is a neat sentence to say. Enjoy. <laughs> Two theme from Pitfall Two for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Uh, how cool is that, man? <laughs> um, I hate to say this, but it was adorable. <laughs> but like adorable in that great like nostalgic way for the Atari and and the systems of that time, where like you know, music was almost an afterthought, if even a thought, because. You know, how much could you possibly fit on those cartridges? Well, you, you couldn't do it in Atari games. There are, I think you can count on your fingers how many Atari 2600 games have genuine music in them. Mm-hmm. Like most, like in almost all circumstances, once there's gameplay, it's silence and sound effects. Um, yeah. I can think of like, uh, like skateboarding had some music in it. I know uh, California games had that like, you know, really hilariously uh, a simplistic version of Louie Louie played on the title screen. But yeah. it's, um, for th- really music on the Atari 2600 was very few and far between. And this was a game that when you started playing it, the music played in the background. There was lots of colors on the screen. Uh, and it was, it played like 
a, a modern uh, what, modern for the time uh like like a nintendo game or whatever where with the music playing in the background and the sound effects playing over it and most of the time you'd hear a lot of uh what uh, f- uh my friend ferg on the atari 2600 game by game podcast uh refers to as bum notes uh <laughs> The, that happens a lot in Atari music um, because from what I've come to understand, it is very notoriously difficult to actually make the Atari make the sound you want it to, which is uh, one of the reasons I think why a lot of them didn't have music per se, because uh, it, it's kind of like throwing a dart at a dartboard to, instead of like saying, play this note. It's just like, all right, how can I squeeze this to make it play the note I want at the pitch I want? Um, so taking a song like this that's very inspired by the Indiana Jones theme, you know, it's it's pitfall, it's that that feeling is kind of what it was all overall going for. Um it's it as cute as it is, like you're absolutely right, it's cute, it's quaint, it's it's very much yeah. of that era, but it also has so many like orchestral flourishes to it like with the you know the the counter melody and whatnot that's playing underneath and the, and the harmonies. It is astonishing to me that it's being squeezed out of an Atari Twenty Six Hundred, uh, and and it's the this the sounds the instrument choices like you know the drum track is like a sound ch- you know like a sound channel fuzz and like a literal like doot, you know like the sound the 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 snare sound is like a doot sound <laughs> it's unbelievable how this actually works and. You know, hearing hearing an Atari sing is just freaking wild. You know, um, I mean, I'm 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 kind of gushing at this point, so I should probably it's, stop. But it's, it's quite all right because yeah. I can't say nearly as much good stuff as you can. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not again. That's not to say that it was a bad track at all. I, like I said, I thought it was adorable. But again, it's it it's it's a track that really takes me back to that time. I can remember getting. Um, the 7800 as a kid and just being so like enamored by just what we look back on as like simple you know and um and hearing the sound effects and you know the little um what's the word jingles you mm-hmm. know it takes me back to that time i think that's why i also feel the tracks adorable too but from from a sonic standpoint from um uh i guess a composition standpoint it's a really good good piece of music it's it's short it loops but it's again. I always talk about something that loops that's not obnoxious. Where you know, after a minute of it, you're like, "Oh my god, get me out of this level, get me past this thing, whatever." I can't listen to this crap anymore. It's <laughs> definitely one that you can listen to over and over, you know, for an extended period of time. So, yeah, yeah I will say that it loses its freshness a bit by the time you finish Pitfall Two, which is right. a it's a it's a hefty chunk of game for an Atari game. Um, but uh, it is it is a track that has always stuck with me. Um, uh, it is also a track that was way back when uh, I used this on an episode of the Stone Age Gamer podcast as part of Chiptune Trivia, and this was uh, uh, requested to be used by my late friend, Mr. Lou Beaver. Um, so, Lou, that one's for you, but uh, he, he can't hear this. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was very pragmatic of you. Yeah, uh, but regardless, uh, it's a great <laughs> tune. Lou was an awesome dude. Really liked Kiss. Uh, he was a weird guy, and, and <laughs> but I, those, I miss him. But those are the people that really stick out. They are, uh, and I am just uh, constantly in awe at the technical marvel that is that song. 
because uh, you know you you turn it on and it looks like Pitfall, and then you press play and it just starts singing this music at you, like, whoa, this is like really next level stuff right here. I am impressed. So, all right, let's keep uh, let's keep going. We have the next track uh, comes to us from a game called Toki Tori for the Game Boy Color. Uh, this was a, uh, a game that I wound up playing on the 3DS Virtual Console. I had always meant to pick it up on Game Boy Color. I never got around to it. Uh, and then it got re-released uh, on the 3DS Virtual Console. And I finally gave it a shot. And I'm glad that I did. It's a, it's a little puzzle platformer starring a, an adorable chicken named Tokitori. Um, and uh, the first couple of stages had some really, really good music. Uh, and then the rest of the game, uh, as far as I as far as I remembered, was just relatively forgettable music. Not bad. Again, uh, similar to stuff like similar to Mutant Muds, the, the whole soundtrack is not bad, but uh, none of it was nearly as memorable as this. And the the level, like the pre level music uh, for selecting a stage uh, from the first couple of stages in this game, like that music stuck with me, and none of the rest of it really did. Um, the music in this game was composed by, uh, a gentleman named Chris J. Hampton, uh, from the best that I could piece together. Uh, there is somebody by the name of Chris Hampton who has also composed music for games called Glitterman Grove, Frog Fractions, and Super Huey 3. Um, but I did not see Toki Tori on that list of games, uh, that are attributed to Chris Hampton, uh, Chris J. Hampton. So I don't know if we're talking about the same Chris J. Hampton, it's a little uh, muddy there, but I think it is. Um, regardless, this is Forest Falls from Toki Tori for Game Boy Color. Enjoy. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, that was Forest Falls from Toki Tori, uh, a song that I found remarkably memorable, and uh, as soon as I started playing it, I just sat back in my chair and started smiling. <laughs> it's just... It, it's a very delightful tune. It is. It's it like really the is. only way I can explain what we just listened to. is very... What a delight. <laughs> <laughs> I jokingly... I do that around the house when... Uh, you know, something's very nice. I'm like, you are a treasure, and that was a delight. Very uh, Ron Burgundy sort of stuff. But uh, all jokes aside, really good composition. A, a big fan of it, actually. Um, it's, um, again, delightful, obviously. But uh, it's another track that I could see listening to for some time, and it just kind of fading into the background of whatever it is I'm doing and not really noticing it so much. Uh, I think when we do listen to some of these and they they run on for more than two or three minutes, you're very acutely aware of what you're listening to. But when you have like a video game, um, you know, the visuals and the interaction uh, as a companion piece to it, you, me personally, I won't say you, me personally, I um, I lose focus of the music because I'm so now in trying to beat the game or, you know, do whatever it is, the task in front of me. Mm. But um yeah, this this could definitely be a track I could uh, absentmindedly listen to while completing some inane task. A uh, thing about this song that strikes me is that it it makes a very heavy use of that kind of. I, I notice a lot of chiptune artists do this, and not a lot of um, original games do it. But it's that kind of like thing that yes, super trembly. I'm not usually a fan of that at all, and. While I, I still don't like that particular sound, the rest of the way this, this composition fits together, I really don't mind it so much here. I'll um, agree with you on that one. That's the one thing that really stuck out. Um, I just didn't know how to explain it as eloquently as you did. <laughs> yes, eloquently. <laughs> I did a great job. Uh, you do good. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of that particular sound, um, but I do. I really don't mind it here. And... Uh, we we this is another Game Boy Color game, and we've listened to a couple of games from that that platform, and uh, we've mentioned the bass in those as well. And this one has a very kind of unique bass sound. It's uh, it's a very it's a very dirty kind of bass sound. It's very very low, um, a very almost just almost like noiseish, and uh, it's kind of uncharacteristic for a. Um, I feel like it's uncharacteristic for a Game Boy game to have a bass that sounds that way, especially when it goes to the really, really, really low notes. But again, it, it just really works and really ties the whole thing together. Um, it's a it's a very memorable song, and uh, I'm 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 glad I finally found a version of it to to listen to on my own because I I, I kind of forgot about it for the longest time. It just really just kind of disappeared from my brain, and I decided like. I need to find this. I really need to find this. I need to find this music. I need to, <laughs> I've been thinking about it for so long. I don't even remember how it all goes. And I finally found the soundtrack and glad I did, but all right. And all was right with the world and all was right with the world. Uh, this is another one that is a similar situation where it was a song that I kind of, it got stuck in my head a very long time ago. Um, and I was never able to properly find a version of it to listen to for myself. Uh, this is the theme from a game called Pushover for MS-DOS, released in 1992. Uh, this track was, to my knowledge, composed by... Um, there are three different names uh, attributed to the music in this game. Uh, Jonathan Dunn, 
who composed music for Waterworld for the Virtual Boy. We've talked about that on this show in the past. Uh, Jurassic and Jurassic Park for Super NES. Dean Evans, who worked on Lethal Weapon for Super NES and Waterworld for Virtual Boy. Uh, and Keith Tenman, who worked on Eek the Cat for Super NES and Lemmings for various platforms. Um, I went to my neighbor's house when he got a new computer and it came with a bunch of free software and this game was one of the games that came with it. And this is the music that played like over the title screen or like when you get a password or something. I can't, I couldn't tell you what the rest of the music in this game sounds like, or even if there is any music in this game uh, besides this song, because nothing else ever grabbed me the way this song did. It was stuck in my head for years, and I had never you know, found anybody else who had played the DOS version of the game. Um, and it was released on Super Nintendo, and uh, the version of this song and the Super Nintendo one is still good, but it wasn't the DOS version, because certain MS-DOS games had this very, very unique sound to it. And I didn't play a lot of DOS games back in the day, but the ones that I did really, really stuck with me, like Secret of Monkey Island, The Incredible Machine, um, you know, the original Doom, things like that. This is one of those things that really just, just, just sunk its hooks into my brain. And while it is a clever game about pushing dominoes over, like it's it's a you know it's lemming style ish of a of puzzle game, this song just stuck with me. Uh, so uh, I don't know. I'm very curious to hear what anybody else thinks of it because I don't even I don't even know if it's all that great of a song, but it is that great <laughs> of a song to me. <laughs> Uh, and I love the heck out of it. <laughs> I love that you spend all this time building it up <laughs> and like really building it up. And then right at the last second, you just take its hamstrings out. Yeah. It, you know, this, <laughs> this might not be good at all, but it is good to me. So I and it's my are... show. So that's all. right. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. <laughs> Wait, Here what? is theme from pushover for MS DOS. Enjoy. from pushover i i love that track i think that is <laughs> yay awesome <laughs> awesome it's, it's very i don't even know it's it's just good it's, <laughs> I, I don't have words i don't even know how to i i, I i'm smiling so <laughs> that's what yes things words stop flowing out of my mouth please Oh, that's great. Uh, <laughs> I love the instruments, you know? I love that sound, that very unique old PC game sound. Um, this just fills me with this, this unbelievable wave of nostalgia whenever I hear it, of just 
playing this game on a summer afternoon when it is nice outside and I should be outside playing, but instead I'm inside with air conditioning on playing a PC game um, in my, my parents' bedroom, which was where the computer was, uh, or at my neighbor James's house, uh, just playing this game and figuring out the different stages. And uh, it's just, it, it, this, this song is magic to me. It's pure magic. Uh, and um, I'm glad you enjoyed it because... Uh, it's another one of those things I don't think too many people even have heard. Like, who knows Pushover, right? They, it's a pretty obscure title. Uh, and that's kind of where a lot of these one-hit wonders are coming from. I remember in the last one we did some, I think, some more, I guess, prominent tunes. Uh, and this one I, I kind of had to dig a little deeper for. Uh, and I'm glad that I'm getting to share some of the more obscure stuff that just kind of floats around in my head all the damn time. Yeah, I... I, you said MS DOS, and like my my whole screen went blank. I said, "Whoa, uh, wow, okay, uh, that's a platform I don't think I've ever even ventured to." I know I, I used to play a handful of like you know point and click, like Willy Beamish, and you know Full Throttle, but that's about it. Like some of those games, I, I've never even heard of this game, uh, Pushover. It stars a uh, an ant. Named G.I. Ant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Uh, and he's like, he's like super like attitude mascot dude. And like, come on, come on. But it's a clever game because you, you get all these different dominoes and it's just like, all right, how do you knock down all the dominoes? Uh, and like different dominoes with different stripes on them have different attributes. Like they'll either keep rolling or they'll split in half and, you know, move in the other you know knock down dominoes in two different directions it's a pretty neat game uh it's it's a clever little puzzle game but it just boils down to this this one song like that's just what it all comes back to for me so yep thumbs up (laughs) all right we got two left uh two left to hit before we get to our final track uh before we leave you for the rest of the evening and uh this next one is one that i have listened to so many times so so many times um uh the the only reason that this is on a one hit wonders is because there's there's just literally not enough music in the game to cover an episode this comes from uh tennis for game boy uh released in 1989 this track is composed by hirokazu hip tanaka who you know from kid icarus metroid balloon kid and my incessant hero worship of him uh this is uh, such a great tune. I love tennis for Game Boy. I love tennis video games in general. When they're done well, they're super fun. Um, you know, video games are... Pong was basically tennis. So, like... Yeah, true. It's quintessential gaming stuff. And the Game Boy tennis game was super fun. And a big portion of what made that game so fun for me was that this music played during all the matches. It's a... Uh, it's a really simple tune. It's ultra catchy. And if you've never played tennis for Game Boy, uh, prepare to smile a little bit more because it's just a, this is just dripping with hip Tanaka and early Nintendo charm. Uh, it's a great tune. So here is game or, or match from tennis for the Game Boy. Enjoy.
Yeah, talk about a tune that really sums up exactly what it's like to play this game. You're running around as like adorable little chibi tennis dudes with Mario as the umpire, blasting out a tennis game to this super adorable, addictive music. I freaking love it. Yeah, it's another piece that's uh, adorable. Like you, you said, it has the uh, the charm of old Nintendo, and of course, Hip Tanaka. It's, it's a great piece. Um, it really uh, encapsulates that kind of idea. Of, yeah, of, it's not overly dynamic, and it doesn't no. have to be. The game's called right. tennis. Yeah, <laughs> it's not fancy tennis or nope. super racket shot twenty nineteen or whatever. It's just tennis. It's as <laughs> basic as it gets. Um, but it's executed so well. Like there was all, you know, th- this is essentially the Game Boy's version of tennis for NES, which was way worse than this. It's not even remotely as fun as this game was. Um, not as remotely as it's full of character and full of uh, charm uh, as this game was. Um, and I, I still freaking love it. And it's, you know, there was tennis, baseball, golf for the uh, for the Game Boy, and they all featured Mario in some way, shape, or form. But tennis, tennis, man, really, really spot on, great game. And it's this music that just kind of drove me to keep playing it. And I went for I went for a ridiculous road trip once that was um, driving from New Jersey to uh, Alaska. What? And, yeah. The the two games, like I brought a Game Boy with me, and the two games that were played more than anything else on the trip were this and Mario's Picross. Like, that's what the trip was, was me playing those two games over and over again. And that was a long trip. It was like a at least a solid week drive out, I think, uh, to, wow. to get from point A to point B. Yeah, that was I, I I need to hear this story, but obviously not. Yeah, that's the air. that's not a that's not a story for this podcast, but it does involve lots of fire. <laughs> oh now i definitely need to hear this <laughs> but yes tennis for game boy what a great song uh and and as much as i've played it over the years for ever since that trip it always just reminds me of uh sitting in the back of a seven passenger van with eight people in it and playing this game just over and over again because it's super fun there you go all right uh last track the last one that we're going to get to before our, our final, final one we send you on our way. Uh, this track is from uh, a great four-player game for the NES. Uh, if you had an NES 4 score on NES Satellite, you had to have a copy of Super Spike V-Ball for the NES, released in 1990. Uh, this track is called Daytona. It is composed by Kazunaka Yamane, uh, who wrote music for River City Ransom on NES, Double Dragon 2 for NES, and Double Dragon in the Arcade, um, which is a heck of a lineage. Uh, very, very techno-sy, uh, if, you, if you know what that means. Um, the Super Spike V-Ball is super good. The soundtrack is very solid, but much like a lot, you know, several of the other games I mentioned on here, like nothing compares to this track for some reason. Like, as, as good as the like as solid as the other tracks are this one is so like head and shoulders above the rest of this game soundtrack in in my humble opinion uh i just it, it seemed to fit this one hit wonders thing pretty perfectly so uh i hope you enjoy it here is daytona from super spike v-ball for the nintendo entertainment system
guess another track that I can say that I've spent a considerable amount of time listening to over and over and over again, because uh, I used to love any opportunity, and still do, any opportunity I can get together four people around playing this game together, because like tennis on Game Boy, this is a, it's, it's such a simple premise. It's just a volleyball game, but it controls tight. Uh, it looks great and it sounds great. Um, I, this, this four player concept on the NES, I don't, I am not familiar with it one bit. Yeah, there was a, they, they did a whole run where they released a multi-tap. Um, they, the, the oh. NES four score, which was a, a little device that plugged into both controller ports and bumped it up to four, uh, or the satellite, which was a wireless, uh, four controller port thing. You would place the satellite somewhere in the room where it could, you know, have an infrared signal between it and the NES, uh, and you would plug your controllers into the satellite. Uh, and they released a handful, a handful of, you know, very specific four player games like, um, I believe NES Play Action Football was one of them. World uh, Nintendo World Cup Soccer, Daytona, uh, Day, uh, sorry, Super Spike V Ball, uh, RC Pro M Two was a four player game. RC Pro M Two, another awesome game, super super late NES game, uh, pretty rare and expensive, but mm. yeah, uh, four player NES. There were definitely some games, and this was one of them, and one of my one of my absolute favorites. It's super fun to play with a with a group of people. Interesting. I feel like I missed out on this kind of portion of <laughs> gaming, but I'm looking at a at a at a picture of the four score, and it it kind of looks familiar. I don't think I knew anyone that had it. I probably saw it in a store and was like, "Oh my god, I want that." But you, know. you got to look up the satellite, though. What a weird device! Like, here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna make a multi tap that's wireless that you plug your wired controllers into this wireless thing. <laughs> it's so weird. What a cool accessory, though. It looks awesome too. Oh wow! Okay, and that thing neat. You just like plug the infrared. What was really really cool was the receiver. The receiver that plugged into both the controller ports looked like it. It just looked like it belonged on the NES. Like it was just like this extra shield attachment. It was so cool looking. Uh, I. It's a weird device. I don't even. I do not know why it exists. I really don't. Um since the four score was the same thing but cheaper but with a wire like you were going to be wired anyway so that was weird but <laughs> back to this song um you know again to, not to keep calling out the bass lines but like this had a very driving bass line but it was just reserved enough to be like you know still have that twinge of beachiness to it because you know you're playing beach volleyball so there is this kind of like summery theme to it but this one wasn't overly uh you know overly reliant on major chords and major notes so it, it kind of really fit with the aesthetic of this stage which is like kind of playing a volleyball game at the just at the beginning of the evening you know just as the sun's going down so it's not like mid-afternoon it's like you know six o'clock or whatever or six or seven o'clock and uh it just has that kind of twinge of the end of a day at the beach uh i, I guess is really just the the overall feeling I get from this music and it's probably tied directly to the aesthetics of playing this game, but, uh, it's just that it's, it's a feeling that comes across every time I hear this song, uh, not overtly happy, just catchy and solid and, uh, a good piece of music. I want to play volleyball too, or play a volleyball game too. I'm yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I, I don't know that I want to play volleyball anymore. Maybe when I was in high school, but, uh, as yeah. a really good piece, um, I definitely got like, uh, like simple 
It's like a like a simple tune that just kind of you know plays in the background or whatever. I liked it a lot. Baseline, yep, same thing. You know, uh, you know, there's not much else I can say about it really. You kind of you you took my words. Oh, I do that, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't be. It makes my job easier. <laughs> Well, that's going to wrap it up for our One Hit Wonders episode. I was, uh, I'm was i glad we got to do this again. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a third one. I've been like poking around my uh, my collection for other you know tracks to do for a One Hit Wonders episode, and I, I'm not coming up with a ton. Um, but who knows? In another couple of years, maybe we'll, maybe we'll hit this again. But uh, for now, this was a, was a lot of fun. So uh, that is going to be our show. Uh, Matt, you're choosing the next game. Why don't you tell us what we're going to be listening to? So, uh, Chris has a list of games that he'd like to get to. It's probably about as long as his games that he has to get to playing. (laughs) Yeah, Um, probably. (laughs) And, uh, he says to me, oh, you know, your choice is next. And I said, oh, oh, hell. So I, I glanced at the list thinking something there would be something that I, you know, I'm very versed in. And um, a trick of the brain uh, sent me to this next game, so I went and I peeked at it again. It's a game that I've been very familiar with. I, I owned uh, and still kind of want to go back and play. So for the next episode, we're going to be covering Star Fox for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Woohoo! And Chris is completely elated. I am. I love the original Star Fox's soundtrack. As it's, do I. It's gorgeous. It's wonderful. And I'm I'm sorry to anyone out there who disagrees, but I think it completely <laughs> kicks the crap out of the Star Fox 64 soundtrack. It's not even close. Mm. Uh, it's one wonderful game, wonderful soundtrack. I'm so excited. I'm so glad you picked that one. The gauntlet is down. Yeah, man, it I, this should be a lot of fun. <laughs> it, there's a lot of tracks, so I think whittling it down... I don't know how I don't know how hard it's going to be to whittle it down to the ten or eleven. Um, I don't think it should be too hard. Um, there's yeah. de- there's definitely some misses, but there's a lot more hits. So agreed. And there's some you know some some wild stuff like Fortuna comes to mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just such a strange track. This is like whoa. Now we're listening to something very funky. Wasn't expecting that. Uh, nah, great pick. Can't wait for it. Uh, I'll get. We'll get to work on picking tracks straight away. So. Uh, as always, we would love to hear everyone's thoughts and memories of the video games we discussed here today, and you can do so over on the Waveback Forum page on Facebook. Just search for Waveback on Facebook, and you'll find out more information on our next games, as well as a nice, convenient place to talk about them. Of course, you can always still send us an email at mail at geekade.com. While you're at it, you can check out all our social media channels, which you should totally follow, like, and subscribe to if you haven't already. And speaking of following, liking, and subscribing, check out the Waveback Overplay channel over on YouTube, where I've been doing a lot of funky work uh, overplaying tunes on top of one another one another uh and if you don't know what that means go to the youtube channel and uh check it out and be sure to check out all the other great content we have on our site over at geekade.com so we're gonna go out tonight on a uh, a listener request i put up the flag for you know see if anybody had any good one hit wonders and over on the Waveback forum page we got john truesdale uh suggested lunar 2 uh, Star Dragon theme. Uh, in in his words, he wrote, uh, "For me, uh, for me, two come to mind." And I could have passed in the second one. The second one was from Final Fantasy IX, which I think, 
I don't necessarily agree that the entire uh, rest of the soundtrack was more or less fine but bland. But anyway, the first is Star Dragon Theme from Lunar 2. The rest of the soundtrack was fine with a few standouts, but this track blows them all away in my opinion. Moreover, it was only in the US Working Designs release of the game, uh, which I did not know. Uh, I don't have very much history with Lunar, um, so I can't speak to the rest of the soundtrack being uh, you know, good or bad, but I did listen to this track several times because it's very good. Uh, and I thought it was cool that it was only used in the uh, the U.S. version uh, released by Working Designs. So, great pick, John, uh, and thank you for thank you for the suggestion. Uh, the Final Fantasy IX thong song was also the thong. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> Final Fantasy IX song was also very good, but uh, I, I suspect that we'll be doing more with Final Fantasy IX over the years. So yeah. Here is uh, to 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 play at home uh, the Star Dragon theme from Lunar 2, Eternal Blue for Sega CD. Uh, And I hope you all enjoy it, and thank you very much for listening. I'll see you next time. Good night. (laughs) 